Good evening. I'm Drew Breezy. Folks, pack your bags. We're going to take you on a morbid flight out of Orlando. And this time we pray that TSA inspects the bags. John is going to quiz me on the different names for this pumpkin season that we're in. And I'm going to discuss how clickbait on YouTube will help you lose weight fast and stop you from aging altogether. All this and what it means for your weekend tonight on the Comp Center. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Shootings in New York City have more than doubled this year. Like I told you to add me back to the stage, damn it. <laughs> All right, folks, this is Failure to Stop. This is the number one podcast and platform where we entertain and inform first responders. Tonight, it's the Cobb Center with veteran detective Drew Breezy. He's got 29 years on the case. He's going to break down a case for us tonight. We're going to cover a bunch of news. We're also going to do a bunch of ad reads to pay the bill. But first, I wanted to talk to Drew and see, Drew, how are you doing? Other than firing dead leg for coming back after a two-week I'd paid leave and then not adding me to the stage. How are you? How dare he? Uh, we are going to take all of his volunteer hours away from him. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to reduce his volunteer hours. I am doing uh, great. I hope Deadleg is doing well also. Um, yeah, he's he's screening calls tonight, and I'm sorry for being so hard on Deadleg. And Deadleg, I'm mad that you made me say hard on, but that, that's the situation. <laughs> you were a little hard on the beaver last night, Ward. <laughs> um, and nobody under... 50 understands that or gets that i'm worried about the beaver <laughs> well um i'm checking more to make sure that we're good on <laughs> rumble and we are nobody and you can probably hear it and now you can't okay good so we're good to go on rumble um I, i'm doing great john i've been working on a project lately um <clears throat> so i'm a little sore because uh, i don't move much anymore it's the project crippling depression because I am also yes. working on that project. Yes. I call it, uh, I call my project getting out of bed. Uh, no, I, I'm um, <clears throat> putting up permanent lights on the outside of my residence. So uh, permanent, you know, holiday lights. Like, so you uh, you know, the the theory is they're they're govy lights. You know, Josh and I are big fans of uh, shiny lighty things and. Um, <clears throat> the theory is you only get to you only have to put these things up once and you know they stay up year round and you know when the fourth of july runs around you can on the app click the fourth of july mode or you know i've got three different halloween modes on there and uh it's just fun it's fun for the kids it takes it's the pain for... out of being festive gotcha yeah yeah de most definitely and uh i i am um uh like i i don't know that i can raise my ar arms above uh, where they are right now. So if I look like I'm slouching, it's it's uh, just because I'm in traction, basically. Well, and, you, know, uh, <clears throat> and you said earlier that Duval County is the biggest land mass on Earth. If yes. you look right over here, I've got the second two biggest land masses ready to help you <laughs> out anytime, well, Drew. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for not coming to Florida because we have way too many gun shows here already. That's true. Uh, so speaking of coming to Florida and Duval County, if you're not engaged in this uh, in these shows, and I understand if you are or you aren't, I, I would love to see you down here. On the 27th of October, we're going to be part of the Valor Bare Knuckles uh, fighting Ken Shamrock situation. 
the 26th, I think, is a Thursday night, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to be doing something at the Island Girl Cigar Bar in Ponte Vedra. It's a very comfortable and wonderful place. I've been there before with Eric. Uh, we did a meetup there before. Um, <clears throat> so come on in. I mean, you know, it's it's October in Florida, so you're probably going to have to have a uh, long sleeve T-shirt at some point. Uh, maybe not, though, but you can still wear shorts more than likely. But come on down and, uh, and and join us for the event. It's going to be fun. If not, stay tuned to, to social media. Hopefully, we'll be live streaming stuff. Josh will be here, dead leg. He's bringing his whole family, and his, uh, they're, they're driving uh, a truck with zero miles on it. So you're going to be there. Uh, Conservative Ant's going to be there. Antihero Podcast people are going to be there. Ken Shamrock's going to be there. Eric Tanz is going to be there. You got you got all the all the top tier people from uh, our family of podcasts are all going to be there. Yeah, um, right. And then, yeah. you know, not me. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, all the uh, everyone keeps from, asking me why yeah. I'm not going. Like Kendra asked, a dead leg asked before the show, and I I do this really insufferable thing that I think you'll appreciate. Where I just go, I got I get kind of uppity. I'm just like, well, I wasn't invited. You know, <laughs> yeah, I've been telling uh, because my wife, my lovely wife, is she is more excited about this than I am, by the way. Uh, big fight fan, big Ken Shamrock fan. Um, and that's the truth. But she's uh, she's one in a million. But uh, she's been saying, so, uh, you know, am I going to get to meet John? Is John going to be there? And I, I keep telling her, no, nope. He keeps saying uh, very passive aggressively. I wasn't invited. You know what? Uh, I know that you're kind of going on to a, a lecture circuit time where you're doing all kinds of stuff like that down there. And I know that you've been involved with like uh, that documentary and stuff. The next time you have something big like that going on, like uh, I'll come down and I'll just see you. I don't I don't need to go down there and shamrock. But it's like I did not grow up watching wrestling or anything like that. But I, I, I have grown up a lot this past year watching you. So you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll come see you and I'll come support you. And you and I could just go do our own Cobb Center meetup. You know, that'll be fine. No big deal. We could have a business meeting while you're down here. Yeah, we could have a business meeting. We could. I uh, I, I know that you. I have repeatedly asked you to, to email me that Excel spreadsheet, and you will not do it. So if you yeah. could just get on that. Uh, but speaking of, of autumn, are you, a, are you, a, you know, right now it's cold and windy outside. It's the perfect night to just stay in your ghost bed. Are you a, are you a big autumn person? I mean, um, did you get into Halloween? Are you, are you looking forward to it this year? Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and I like to be spooked. You know, I like to be scared a little bit, but yeah. not a lot. What, what do you do to, to increase the spookiness of your season? Like, what, what are you doing? Like, Kendra's having me watch uh, a bunch of movies to get ready for uh, true crime and things like that. Uh, but oh. the other things that I'm doing is, like, um, I'll make plans with friends just to experience the dread of having those pending plans, you know, approaching. And then, you know, eventually, of course, I cancel them. But um, that and just, like, you know, looking at the Dallas Cowboys schedule and things like that. Like, these are the only things I really have to, like, fill me, fill me with dread this season. Yeah, recently, uh, it's scary enough. Uh, I, I've been uh, frequently checking my uh, IRA account balance. So that's scary. Uh, yeah. and, and that's enough to scare a grown man like me. Uh, La- but La- Go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 you go. Last question. Uh, apple cider donuts or, or apple fritters? Where do you stand? Do you think, look, um, th- this is a hard, this is actually hard. 
Uh, I, I'm going to have to go with That's apple fritters. I mean, a- apple fritters are available year round. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I still stand on the side of apple fritters. I love apple cider donuts. I love apple cider, okay. although it does mean things to me. Uh, but I what do love it? apple cider. I grew up in it apple mean? country. Huh? I have to ask what it means. What do you mean? What you said it what is, it means something to you. You grew up in apple cider country in western New York, is that what you mean? No, I said it does mean things to me. To oh, my mean things. Oh, cuz well, yeah, well, you're probably not drinking like the little kid version of apple cider. You're, you're... <laughs> no, I it, that was a long time ago, John. Oh. Uh don't that, forget. That was the biggest thing of horseshit that I hated from kindergarten was when they talked about Johnny Appleseed going around planting apples so everyone could enjoy apples. He did it so everyone could get smashed on hard cider. But yeah. Mrs. Buckwalter did not tell me that okay and oh, god rest her soul but i am still mad at her about that yeah fuck her and then uh, hey, later on hey. in life you be <laughs> later on in life you uh in the uh, prison system understood what buck actually is right i understood a lot about what juice could do to people in prison. yeah that's what i mean so so buck for those who john's gonna do an episode on buck uh, and, I, and, and I don't know if that's what they call it there, but that's that's what they call it here. But essentially, you just t- you gather uh, inmates gather all of their fruit juices and pull them into one area, uh, one garbage bag, essentially. And then they put things to ferment them and they yeah, hide them they, in the ceiling. The yeast, and then, actually, we had a special yeast procedure in the prison because uh, the last riot that we had was them all getting drunk. So like. We had like like these two checklists and two officers had to turn keys at the same time just to get yeast every day, just to like make the the bread that they had every day. The rolls. We had, we had serious yeast control in the prison, which <laughs> sounds like a weird conversation. I'm not sure why we're on this right now. Oh this yeah, no. Yes, going yeast yeast in the prison is a great conversation, and uh, yeah, I mean, who is, who's going to make the hot cross buns, you know, on Sunday? So. I don't know. One of my favorite stories at prison, and, and th- this will appeal to you because you're a cop. And uh, um, I remember one time I was uh, I was on my beat, which was like the hallway. <laughs> and uh, this guy comes out of the kitchen and I can tell he's carrying. So I pull him over, do my own little traffic enforcement, do my own little interdiction. And I pulled him over because I could tell from the way he was walking that he's carrying. And I took over a pound of oatmeal off of that guy. Whoa. Out of the kitchen. So so that's uh, traffic that was that was the biggest bust i ever had i put it i put it on the table took pictures of it took a picture of me next to the oatmeal it was a big deal <laughs> did you wear one of those uh quaker oats hats a tri-corner hat is what it's called and yes Thank i you. wear one of those i wear it all the time uh sp- speaking of being cold in your ghost bed this show is brought to you by ghost bed we love GhostBed here at Failure to Step. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. You can get 40% off a wonderful ghost bed that will treat your back right. If you go to the website and you see a better deal, go ahead and use that. But in the comments sections, tell them that Tansy and the gang sent you. And they'll know that they mean me when you do that. Uh, just remember, they got those adjustable bases. They got that wonderful pillow. Like we said, the proprietary cooling technology that'll keep you cool all night long, even in hot, wintry Florida nights. Go over there, support your favorite podcast. They've been with us since the very beginning, since way back in the old days, a long, long time ago. You know, you've heard ghost bed ads forever today, but just remember they're the only mattress, that I could say this with conviction, the only mattress that is made of the good old United States of America, USA. We haven't done the USA chant in like almost that's, a year and a half. That's good. We moved on. We moved on. 
We're I'm grown. kind of an old school guy, so I like that stuff. Also, if you want to support Failure to Stop, remember, if you're listening, leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. We It's been forever since we've gotten an iTunes review, so go ahead and put that on there. We'll read it on the air. But also go to officerprivacy.com. If you're a police officer, that means you are literally 12 hours away from being on CNN. You're one shift away from being the reason why this country goes back into another 2020 style shit storm. Okay. <laughs> you will be just doing your regular job the way that you were told to do it. And you will be hung out to dry by your admin. But don't hang yourself out to dry. Don't be a chump. Go to officer privacy forward slash Wolfpack. Uh, and they'll give you great tools that you need to protect your family, protect yourself, protect your identity. That way, before you go out and, you know, do something terrible or something wonderful that just society doesn't appreciate, you can protect yourself and uh, you're you don't you're not going to want to do it after the fact when it's too late. You're not going to wish I I wish I had listened to old John when he was rambling on about that. Do it tonight. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. It's like another form of insurance. Lastly, Drew, don't forget Factor Meals. I know people out there. They sleep, they cop it up, and they also eat. Well, don't be a chump. Again, go out there and get delicious Factor Meals. Those are delivered right to your house. This is not frozen food. We are not hawking hungry man dinners to you. After a good night's sleep on your ghost bed, you have recharged all of your mental health that you need to go out there and be the best damn police officer or dispatcher that you could be. You got to fuel up, though. You can have over 300 different meal options on this. You can get it to conform to your diet. It gets delivered right to your house. Super convenient for me because I live on the fucking moon, and uh, it'll keep you going. They have wonderful smoothies that are not shakes. They don't have milk in them at all. They're just fruit. They're delicious. They're good for breakfast. They're good on the go. You could be in your, uh, your deputy bay, your squad room comm center wherever you're at eating delicious food i told you the story i i heated up delicious parmesan chicken and my co-workers very curious about it and i didn't i didn't speak a word to them because yeah. i haven't in years so but yeah, go out right. there and go to go to factor75.com use the offer code wolfpack50 support failure to stop help us keep going strong another year these are wonderful companies support them support us uh drew uh, did I you Go ahead. I can tell you, I received my factor box the other day. Nice. Uh, no uh, smoothies are out of season. I think uh, it, there was some delicious cold pressed juice in there, um, but <clears throat> and it's apple flavored. If I if nice. I remember right, apple and wheatgrass maybe or something. Protect uh, it and let the inmates uh, get it. Yeah, right. Don't let them turn it into buck. And then um, a bunch of of dinners. My wife is crazy over those things. Um, I, I mean, I haven't had one since I got the first batch, but there's still plenty sitting in the fridge right now. And in fact, I did a little unboxing video that I might end up uh, stitching together. And, and I would love to see that. You know, unboxing videos, for whatever reason, they get a lot of a lot of likes and things like that. Uh, in a year's time, failure to stop will be nothing but unboxing videos, probably yeah, for factors. Here's what we're going to do, John. I'm going to do an unboxing video for factor meals, and then I'm going to hand it off to you to do a reaction video to my unboxing video. I'm going to tell you like how hungry I am. Is like you like take a huge piece of lasagna and like dangle it above your mouth and eat it like a fish. <laughs> what? Why would we do that? Uh, do you mind if I just go ahead and transition smoothly into the news since I'm not? Oh, I would oh. hope you would. I'm not. So la last week on the show, we uh, we talked about uh, Seattle and how Seattle's changing. They're adding a third public safety department called the Care Division, which just seems like something out of RoboCop to me that they're going to call it the Care Division. And you know, it's because it's government; they're not going to ultimately care about people. We had a whole we had a whole podcast about this last week with Abby Ellsworth, and we were talking about some of the difficulties or problems 
or just circumspection about creating a new a new division of government to handle things. Well, right before the show, at the most convenient time possible, a police officer from Durham reached out to me and he had some thoughts on this. I invited him on the show. He declined because I guess he's policing it up. So I respect that. Like I'm busy right now too. So I get, you know, like right now, if you wanted me to go do a ride along with him, I would also be busy. But uh, I asked him about it. I asked him about what it's like there where they're doing this uh, new, a new system in Durham. So I didn't get a lot of time to prepare on this, but I wanted to just share his remarks and uh, he'll, he'll remain anonymous. So I'll call him Matthew. If I have to call him anything at all, I probably don't. All right. He says, I'm an officer with the Durham Police Department. He's not in communications, but they have certain calls that are classified that the heart team responds to. So they're in Durham. They're called the heart team, which there again, you know, for some reason, we just have to have this wonderful, like touchy feely. Uh, yeah, it, it totally appeases, you know, the the bleeding heart liberals who want to change policing as we know it, as we so often hear them say. Um <laughs> Heart is what they call the civilian responders in Durham. In all honesty, they do not help out with call volume very much. There's a co-response unit where a social worker rides with an officer in the same car, and that seems to work much better. Uh, they say um, a lot of people in this department listen to the podcast, and so that's why he doesn't want to come on here and, and talk about this openly, mostly because uh, this, this plan is being pushed by an aggressive city council onto the command staff. I guess the city council is very liberal and the command staff has no choice but to kind of go along with this. Otherwise, any of their other ideas are basically going to be defunded out from under them. So the unit that is just civilian responders ends up calling an officer over 50% of the time. So they send out these civilians and sure enough, just like you might guess, the civilian units get there and they have to escalate it to a law enforcement response. So, so much for them handling call volume, they're more just buffering it until a police officer can get there anyway. Said it's a liberal city council pushing it and making command fall in line. The co-response unit actually works well. They just don't have enough officers to fill the unit because they are so short. Now, police officers, you're talking about a police department that's short officers. Well, that's amazing. So I asked him, like, do you just have problems getting officers to go to this unit or is it just because you're over, overall short? He says, we have a few officers that come from a mental health background that enjoy it and they have a passion for it. Most of the street cops that deal with violent criminals would not choose to go to that unit. Uh, officer wise, uh, they're short about 160 out of 500 person department. So that's like, what, 25 percent, Drew? Yeah. I mean, you're good at numbers. So Durham Some Police Department's down 25 percent of officers. So you have you they want to change policing as we know it. But we can't even cover like basic police response to all the things that police we all agree that police should be doing because you're down like 25 percent. So the, why are they down, though? He says we're incredibly underpaid for our area. We started around 10 grand less than surrounding agencies, so they cannot recruit. The city council is very liberal and fully fell into the defunding police thing, which I would call a scam. The command staff and the people that work for the department are good, but the chiefs can't get anything done without the city council shooting everything yeah, down. I would think so. So I'll wrap this up here. I just want to do justice to the fact that you reached out to me. Thank you, Matthew, by the way. Uh, so they're supposedly doing a pay study in a few months. Uh, I don't think that would change anything. And if they don't change anything, 150 plus are going to quit and they effectively won't have a police department in an extremely violent city. So Durham is a bit under the gun, if you don't mind, pardon the pun. If they don't get their shit figured out in terms of paying their officers, they're going to be in a bad situation. 
Uh, I he said they're doing a pay study. I just mentioned to him that pay studies happen to be very expensive. Drew, maybe you know that they can add men. Uh, they'll come in and do a pay study. They'll pay millions and millions of dollars to this fucking pay study, and it's just like, yeah. well, you could have spent that money. Uh, on police officers. Actually, I have a lot of material here tonight. I'm super pre- prepared for the show. And at one point, I think I'll pull this up, but we were, I was reading about um, the Orange City, California Fire Authority. And I, I want to double check this before I, I, I put something on them. But at one point they say they couldn't hire anyone, but they, they, uh, they bought two helicopters. So they, they don't, they don't have a money, enough money to give anyone a raise, but they were able to buy two helicopters since 2020. I'll find that. I highlighted that. So we'll be able to talk about that later if we have time. All right, so I just couple. wanted to follow up on the care unit and the heart unit and uh, the, the hug unit probably in some other city. A, a couple, a couple of observations of what you just said. I, I, I agree with you. Like, so, so if this thing is not a smashing success, don't you think it opens the door for them to say, well, we didn't have the personnel to do it. So obviously that's the reason it failed. But well, so they'll it's, just, it's, it's, but it, they'll just say like, it's communism. It's just never been fully, it's never been properly implemented. Yeah. Until you have the people and see it fail, they're always going to be able to kick it around as an idea. So I would prefer that they have the people that they need to, to do it. Right. And then have it go out there and have it either work or not work Drew, which whatever. I know that, you're you i think you're a community policing guy it's hard to remember kind of where you stand on that but but either (laughs) way whether whether it's good or bad or big government or just a joke i'd rather see it actually tried no i i I, what i am is a thinker i i'm i want to i i'm a problem solver i'm not a um I'm not a Band-Aid guy. Don't 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 ask me for a Band-Aid like you're you're a surgeon you're a surgeon thank you I, I mean, like, let's let's fix the problem. Let's not, you know, let's not fix the symptom of the problem. So, um, so here's the other thing. Now, I I hear this argument all the time, and this is me from the administrator background. Like, I, I hung around a sheriff for a little bit. Um, you know, I had the privilege of protecting one during an RNC, and you know, I got insight uh, of what it's like, and you know, plus that's what my degree is in. My I did. I have a master's in criminal justice administration, and I've been through some executive leadership schools and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, when people say things like, oh, my God, you turned $6 million back into the county, uh, you could have just paid us, you know, you could have just given us all a raise. It, it's a very short-sighted thought that $6 million is going to cover a raise for any no you're right i mean that that money doesn't really go around that far but i mean okay so you can also just look at the starting pay of your surrounding agencies no no no, and that's what a pay study does though that's so so a guy sits down and uses google (laughs) no there's way more to it because you've got to talk about tenure and you've got to talk about classifications and you've got to talk about you know, what's this uh, communication supervisor here? What are their duties and their functions versus what they're being paid to do? It, it, paid studies are very intensive, but they, they often come out in favor of the employee. And the, the consultant knows that. And, and the agency knows that going in. They just need some ammunition or some fodder to bring to whatever governing body, like a city council or a county commission, to show them, like, we're underpaying our people. How do you expect me to recruit or, or retain anybody if we're $10,000 under, you know, under all these other 
thing. So True. I have read your manifesto, though. I know that you could sit down and look at those numbers, pay yourself your regular salary as, as the head of your communications department and make that case yourself. You could probably use Excel yeah. and Word to make a like a bar graph and spreadsheet and show yeah. these people like, oh, we're not being paid as much as. Yeah. And like and get a guy like you. I, I would have a guy like you and I'd be like, John, here's another hundred throw it on the fire. The fire I would go up there bit. with my, my but, bindle on a stick. Is it my family so hungry? <laughs> Please, sir. I want I, I, answer, I answer the 911. I go home to burned out shell of car. Would you offer me your jewelry to do so? So uh, I, I would like, uh, okay, so there's that. And as far as like purchasing a helicopter versus hiring people, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Two exactly helicopters. How it, it's two. Okay, I don't know how it is in Orange City, but I, I, I'm willing to wager that didn't come out of county funds. I, I'll you bet think you that's federal government grants. grants. Or what? Yeah. yeah, that's probably a federal grant, and you, you're not going to be able to use that money to... All right, um, let's look, because I, I, I laid the accusation, and now you're putting my feet to the fire. No, I'm not putting your feet to the fire, and you no, might no, be 100% I, correct. I, I'm just saying, I'm just trying to expand the 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 listener that a lot of times, you know, people are like, well, Jesus, they bought seven boats and they bought two helicopters and they couldn't hire six people. Well, first of all, hiring is a lot more expensive than you think one and two. Um, I know, but, but so is training. Oh, and when you have people wash out and you have to re replace them. I, I agree. I agree. So, so you should, as a, even as in, in the 911 industry, something I recognize is you should be dumping all of your money in, in, bettering the training program in, in making sure that they understand what a mentor relationship is and understanding how to develop them as leaders because they can't go anywhere but in the communication center. So, you know what I mean? So if you just get to that middle management or that, that budding future manager, frontline, uh, first line manager and, and start you know, dumping all of your resources and training into them to make them have the new employees better. They'll be better. Both will be engaged in the process and you'll retain both sets of people instead of, instead of just creating this backstab environment that we have. So that's comm center specific, but when it comes to, um, I don't know where we're at. I mean, when it comes to retention in, in law enforcement, I've always pushed for a uh, a, um, a mentor program. I got left. Uh, I, I proposed one, and the command staff loved it, except for one person, and she wanted to use what her buddy had, you know, somewhat cut and pasted out of mine, and, and it was her own spin on it, and it failed miserably. And, uh, you know, when I tried to give input, it was, oh, yeah, well, you just want to take it over. And, you know, it, it's it's the same song with that same administrator. I mean, she's she's a horrible person. But um, the, I, I'm, I'm, I mean. <laughs> I, I'm flapjacking for you on your behalf. Oh, but. you're flapjacking. All right. So I apologize. I do have like. I've got tons of articles here because this original podcast was going to be very article heavy. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and just read this to you because it's the same line of thought. I don't I lost where the helicopters at, so I'll read this to you and uh, uh, just know that someone out there bought some helicopters. But I'm going to read to you about Orange County's 911 dispatchers. It says uh, this is from the Voice of OC, uh, which may or may not be related to the Fox drama. Uh, it says Orange County's 911 dispatchers are chronically overworked. Can they handle the next disaster? 
Orange County's biggest emergency dispatch center is struggling to staff its own self, raising questions over whether there are enough 911 dispatchers. Call center operations are ringing alarm bells, saying they're already brutally overworked. They also warned that the uh, impacts of such worst overtime are triggering, triggering, excuse me, troubling questions about their own ability to handle the next big emergency. Last year, Orange County Fire Authority dispatchers are working more for forced overtime than they have in nearly a decade while fielding 911 calls from nearly 2 million county residents they serve, answering over 400 calls every day. At the end of last month, 30% of the department's just dispatcher jobs were vacant. So that's the vacancy rate is 30%. This, the, the dispatchers are claiming the situation is grim, staying long hours, and it has negatively impacted their personal and professional performance. Quote, if a massive fire were to break out, we could not sustain operations, said one dispatcher who asked to be kept anonymous for fear of reprisal. We just wouldn't have enough dispatchers to perform our duties. A former dispatcher said the dispatch center isn't ready for a major disaster, and it's only a matter of time until somebody dies. In the dispatch world, sending someone to a wrong address is like a cardinal sin. If you send fire engines to the wrong address and you don't and you don't find out until they make it there, the delay is six or seven minutes at best. That delay could kill somebody. So in a statement to the Voice of OC, the fire authority denied any concerns about staffing the center, but they said uh, recognize that extra hours have been hard to their employees. They say, this is the admin side of it, the agency recognizes the impact of forced staffing on its dispatchers and their families. Our dispatchers are a resilient group of professionals and the unsung heroes of the high level of service we provide. Uh, they did not respond to a request on whether or not dispatchers have sent anyone to the wrong address. I don't think that really matters at all. Uh, Voice of OC reviews dispatchers reported hours, and they said that uh, the average dispatcher, dispatcher has worked a 54-hour week this year uh, just to keep it going. Seven dispatchers worked a 60-hour week. One dispatcher has consistently logged a 75-hour work week this entire year. 75. Yeah. He's almost got, that's two employees right there. Yeah. A second dispatcher who also asked not to be identified. So the situation took a toll on everybody's health and relationships. And they said they are absolutely not ready for a major disaster. It had a pretty significant impact. We can barely sustain what we're doing right now. And that's just answering 911 calls and handling day-to-day -day structure fires. Uh, they just brought in 13 dispatchers out of the academy. It's the largest class ever. Uh, but here's the part here, here's the part that really bugs me. And I, I know that I'm really monopolizing the show here, but I, I really since you're admin, I kind of want to drive this home because the article's about to shift between the dispatcher's point of view and the admin point of view in a in a serious wager that I wanted to bring to you. And you're just frankly, you're the you're the expert on it. And I have to consult you on it because like someday you'll be dead and I will have wished that I could have asked this question. Of you. All right. So bearing all that in mind, uh, the, the command staff says, uh, well, you know, we, we are ready to handle emergencies. Basically, uh, if, if something happens, we'll call in off duty dispatchers to work and we'll stop people from leaving. Uh, during major wildfires, we had to do that. We had aggressively exercised all of these mechanisms. Um, isn't that the problem, though, that they're already keeping people late? You know, they're, yeah. they're saying that we can respond to things by keeping people late and calling them an off duty. But that's how you get to a 74 hour work week to begin with is by not you're not let you're not letting them go home and you're calling them in when they're off duty. I think that um, the, the traveling dispatching teams uh, are come in handy in those situations. Like when there's a hurricane, there'll be a pack of 
dispatcher, like the call will go out statewide. I think there might even be a formed uh, team of there is dispatchers that deploy, and yeah. So go. so in a wildfire situation, yeah, I, I like I, I don't I don't. I'm not questioning what that dispatcher is saying that they're not going to be able to handle a, a, a large scale emergency or a, um, an active shooter or something like that. I, I'm not questioning that long term, though. There, there are remedies for that, which is what the administrator is saying, you know, just as important, I, I think, is what the that carbine slash Nina Nina is the National Emergency Number Association. It's a governing or, or it's a it's it's not necessarily a governing body it's like um it's a loosely governing body i guess uh you you don't have to follow nina standards but they set the standards for 911 they did the survey carbine is a private industry and it says that uh recently they just published the survey staffing issues continue to pose the most significant challenge to emergency call centers uh look at look at the numbers so 88% of respondents struggle with staffing shortages, which which increases with the size of the center to 93% of large centers. So 9.3 out of 10 large centers in the United States are understaffed, first of all. Second of all, does your center struggle to hire new employees? 80% responded yes, 20% no. Okay, so only 20%, and remember, 20% of those, some of them are, are smaller agencies. This is my point. This is why I've been trying to, to shout from the mountaintops about, um, uh, about um, uh, uh, what's going on in a communication center and how important it is to have a vital, to have a leader in the know up there. Whether it's me or somebody else, it doesn't matter. But somebody who's got their finger on the pulse, not somebody who's going to be bullied by command staff who's like, yeah, yeah, well, you're a cop, so just do what cops do. Don't worry about what, what those dispatchers do. You heard what John just said. And there, there, there's a guy or, or a girl somewhere, a woman somewhere pulling 75 hours a week or whatever it is. You know, how long do you think that that's going to last? How long do you think, you know? And then again, they, there's nothing but, uh, or not nothing, but I, I think support may be getting better. I don't know for sure. But also, like, you hear things like, yeah, we, um, you know, they're, they're, they're turning in workers' comp issue, you know, like, they're just a liability anyway because they call in sick all the time. And yeah, no shit. I, I mean, this is exactly why. And how do how does a, an entire industry get to be ninety three percent understaffed in major cities? It, it doesn't come from. <laughs> it definitely doesn't come from a command staff supporting you. Like ninety three percent of the large agencies don't have command staffs that are so supportive that you're driving people off. This is my point. Like, it, you you it it takes a special person to be able to speak both languages and i'm not saying it's me it could be anybody although i think i would do really well at it uh, I because i was too. doing really well at it but but the same person who didn't want anything to do with my ego uh, my my ego my uh my um uh, mentor program uh four or five years prior is the same one that got rid of me from the comp center because she didn't think that i was needed up there and she runs by ego she she runs everything by ego. She's wrong. You know, I, I'm a, I mean I was I was a threat because I was smart. I was creative. I had their ear. I had uh, I, I was getting stuff done and I understood what I was doing. And uh, I pushed back when it was time to push back 
because they don't know what it's like. They have no idea. They've never experienced it. They have no clue what's going on up in that communication center. And then when somebody stands in their way and says, ho, ho, you can't make them do that. You've already pushed them too far. We're stretched too thin. They look at you and say, make it happen, Lieutenant. You're a fucking, you're a cop. Make it happen. Don't be stupid. You're one of us. Go make them do it. And, and, and when you don't, they fire you. That, that's what happens. That's, that's uh, what happened where I worked. I'm glad to finally hear kind of more about that. Uh, one of the supervisors in this study uh, that I just mentioned where they had people report, one of the supervisors had worked 27 hours straight. So she had worked over a day. Uh, our, our policy at my agency is you don't work over 12 hours. Why? You could make mistakes, but not only that, but like, suppose what happens when you do make a mistake, a defense attorney finds out that you're 27 hours on the job. Your agency now has liability because they kept you that long. They do, but they're, they're gonna, they have plausible deniability because they're gonna, they're gonna hang their hat on being understaffed. I know. And then uh, they're going to say, yeah, well, guess what? 93% of the industry is understaffed. So, you know, there's always a way around it. Well, a way out of responsibility. It's not, uh, it's not the humane thing to do, John, but it's, there is a way around it is what I'm saying. No. Uh, so anyway, uh, so these dispatchers who left, a former dispatcher said that uh, she was getting forced into 16 hour shifts, working six days a week. And the current managers of the dispatch center were running it into the ground. And that's the reason why she left. You can hear OCFA and you think that it's the golden ship. It's the golden sinking ship. Um, their standard is to, um, they've removed an interview from the process. It used to be a two-step interview. Now it's one interview because they say it's no longer industry standard to have two. There's a new streamlined interview process that's more efficient, which maybe, but I also just think like you're lowering your own standards to get people in the chairs, which is not yeah. necessarily. Right. And, and, and then, uh, so, and then to their credit, they hired 38 dispatchers, which is above their cap of 32, which is a good idea if you, because they're accounting for attrition. Oh, uh, we, but uh, but we nearby. Had a with that too, by the way. We, we you had, had a problem with that? With that. You didn't like it. We had it? a big problem with that. What we what we were trying to do was keep a pool of it, you, you can't. It, it's very difficult to to um. And I'll I'll give it to the the administrator because she took a chance on it, and it, and it really was working out for us. That that same one that I was telling you about that was very nasty person, but she she took a chance on this because we convinced her to have a pool of like personnel Candidates. numbers just just to keep us filled or to keep us hired. So we had them ready to go when the ones that we just hired today quit. Well, because yeah, that's I mean, what if, happens so often. If you know that your attrition rate is like, just say for the sake of argument that it's 8%. I mean, yeah. it's like overbooking a flight, you know? Yeah. It irritates people, but your airplane's full uh, every time that you fly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, worst case scenario, the, the person you, you, you don't, you just, you give them a conditional offer and you tell them, just wait for your phone to ring. And it might be two weeks. It might be two months. But yeah. it's going to ring. We know it's going to ring. The, people either get pregnant and quit. People leave for the military. People leave to go back home to be with their family. And most of it is just based on, I just got to get the fuck out of here. And they don't want to tell us. They want to be polite about it. Because most of the time, John, also, they want to keep the door open because they know it's a fail safe. They yeah. know that they can come back if they ever needed to. In Redondo Beach, which is in Los Angeles County, next door to Orange, Orange County, California, uh, there's a whole article here that repeats a lot of this. They're trying to uh, get better uh, benefits and wages for uh, their agency, but they're all going through the same thing. A 911 dispatcher got up uh, in front of, because the, there's a labor dispute or negotiation going on. And she said, what's happening to the 911 dispatchers 
is dehumanizing. So I just thought that that was an interesting word. Uh, finally, uh, because I just, I prepared so much, so why not go all the way? Why not go big? Um, I have a video that I, we could play from St. Louis about what's going on there. They just had a huge pay increase, but just west of there is St. Charles County where they can't keep enough 911 dispatchers and they're spending over a half a million dollars on temporary workers. <laughs> Uh, can can you guess why <laughs> they can't keep enough people in that county? Uh, well, I mean, it's right there by. Uh, the, it's right by. It's right there by the one that's giving them a lot more money. So they're well, stealing I mean, all that, the good but that that forty five percent raise just went into effect in St. Louis. Okay, okay. Uh, but uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, they have a Colorado based company called Motivations, and it's spelled M O E, which I just think is really terrible. Uh, <laughs> But they provide, they're providing up to eight certified 911 dispatchers to St. Charles County for $518,000. Those eight dispatchers will be split into pairs and sit alongside county employees. So it's like they'll go in there and um, they're, what are they, scabs, designated hitters? I don't know what you want to call them. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I, I have heard of travel dispatch. Like, you know, there's in the nurse profession in the medical profession there's travel nurses traveling nurses yeah. and they do an eight week stint here and an eight week stint there and they make a ton of dough because there's an agency you know a centralized agency that that hires them out and they take their cut you know they get their beak wet and they they pay them well and you know pay them for housing and all that other stuff uh and i think they're starting to do that with dispatchers and i think that they were i, I think that's look you got to do something this is the same thing as our care conversation you got to break eggs to make mayonnaise sometimes. And, and if you, if you want to keep the crime, uh, crime rates high, then just maintain the status quo. Are you a mayonnaise guy? Um, I, I'm a, I, I'm a mayonnaise guy. I it depends mayonnaise. on what, but I'm also, um, uh, big creamy horseradish guy. On roast beef. Felony Melanie says Drew and or John, um, I guess. Okay. I mean, one of not- us. We're not equal. How many years does it take dispatchers to max out on pay from your respective departments? I think here is eight. And with the new contract at six, I honestly don't know the answer to that with my own agency because uh, inflation has run away and we've we, the pay scale doesn't represent what it was when I was hired. So I don't know. I, I'm going to go with eight at my old agency. I don't remember and I don't know for sure because I know that they have uh, changed the pay scales a little bit, but that's, that is another very touchy subject. I hope it's when, not eight. That's where I'm at. Damn it. <laughs> when, uh, when they would, because we are on a step scale, but, but the law and the law and, and again, this was civilian pay versus law enforcement pay or civilian pay versus sworn pay because we have detention people. Right. So the secretaries again, the sheriff's secretary or the records lady or they're on the same pay scale. There's no extra money. You know, we were able to give them stipend for, for night shift, but there's no, there's no incentive to do this. There's no, there's no pay for, you know, there's, there's pay to be a, a communications training officer and all that. But um, yeah, I'm going to go with six years. And by the way, they weren't raising civilian pay rates they, they were raising law enforcement or they were raising sworn pay scales but they weren't raising civilian pay scales and and that's another reason for a pay study john they'll come in and they'll say you know the, the compression here is what's going to end up happening is you're going to hire somebody john's going to be training a guy that's making 15 dollars more an hour than 
he is, and he's been here for eight years. So you've got to give John the compression of, you know, the, the years of quote back pay to make sure that is at least equal to the guy he's training. So pay scales are very difficult, difficult. They're very complicated. So I understand why people do pay studies and I, I know that they're expensive. Uh, they're, they're expensive by design, by the way. I mean, the consultant's not going to do it for free. Well, they should, because that's what Josh does. Um, but not <laughs> not being sworn, though, I mean, you know, that's why I won't call the police when I see a crime out in my community. I think I took some Thank heat you. over that recently. Uh, you know, I, I, I was saying on uh, true crime that, like, if, if your gut tells you that uh, you see a crime, you keep that shit to yourself. Don't be yes. a don't be a commie. Don't rat out your neighbor to big brother. And this is because I'm not sworn and because I'm not being paid as much as a cop. I know Eric was uh, had a very say something, do something. He's very proactive. Yeah, he's a, he, he's a hard charger uh, police officer. I am not being paid that much. So I will not do my civic duty. And I will look at I John, can't find the helicopter thing, which sucks because like, I mentioned it. And then yeah. uh, flapjacking my way here for a half an hour. Uh, we're through I, the I'm news. Going, I, I'm going dollars to donuts that that was federal grant funded like it, like no agency i don't think I, I don't think there are many agencies that have the money to fully fund I an aviation it, though, unit. you know so so you know maybe they maybe the county funds part the I, agency i know funds part and then I, you know. I knew there would be like fema grants and things like that i knew federal money is going to come into it but it's so it's i mean I'm not, I'm not i'm not tricked as a fool you know drew but i mean i did i did highlight it you know your trick is fool I, I, I will I, I will come up with it at midnight and I will call you at home. <laughs> right, that, you that, that is when our last caller will be calling, by the, the way. None of the audience will get it. Yes, if you want to call the show, 848-COM-911 is how you do that. That's 848-266-6911. It's 848-COM-911. Call us. We're actually a live call-in show. We don't have to talk the whole time. You could do some of the work and we could get paid for that. Yeah, but, uh, I, I would love to get into the suitcase story, though, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. The suitcase thing is good. I had, you know, so in St. Louis, I was going to play a video, but oh, I'm sorry, they, ju they just, well, no, I mean, they just increased the wages there by 45%, which is a huge raise. And um, Drew, let me ask you this, too, as an administrator and someone who lives in a big city. Uh, so they're starting pay there for St. City of St. Louis dispatch uh, is uh, 47K. worth it i say no I um that's very good i mean i guess it's an opinion right you know i don't know i'll hold that okay. i'll hold that opinion but you know what is that because your fat pension is like four times that much or yeah how else <laughs> how, how else are they gonna feed me no the, the the um the entire profession is underpaid the entire profession is underpaid I, I don't you. care i mean i don't know what chicago or you know and i don't know if they're represented by uh, AFSCME me or you know i don't but you can rate so just think about that they got a 45 percent raise in that forty-seven thousand. i mean AFSCME. I, don't, I don't know dude i i think i think the whole i i really think that the whole profession is underpaid and and, oh. and they're not giving them their due and they're and it's it's going to it's going to implode like at some point I, I've been. We're imploding now. I think it's already happening because, uh, you know, across the nation, you know, I've got I've got examples here, California, New York, St. Louis. I mean, that's all across the country. I've got the, the paperwork right here in my hand saying that agencies are understaffed. You have the, the Nina report saying it's happening. 
folks, mm-hmm. we we need the government to do so little. Okay, I am a strict constitutionalist. I don't even believe in speed limits. Like, but we do need public safety. We need number one dispatchers. Uh, so we should uh, be paying them. I realize Tater's that I have to a, get in the game. Tater's got a great question. It says, "How how has being a dispatcher changed in the last five years?" Because his uncle's wife, uh, which would make him his aunt, uh, was a dispatcher and said that it's changed drastically than in the past. And and I'm I'm going with uh, it's a more violent society. You're you're getting more violent calls, so uh, that that affects police officers. It affects 911. You know, it it trickles down. Uh, COVID did a lot of things to a lot of people too. Uh, so it, it just made people weird. One, two, you've got to come up with innovations and new computer apps and programs to try to keep up with that or the latest trends or to stay ahead of the curve or whatever you want to call it. And the least, uh, the, the hardest people to adapt to change are people in a communication center because it's very routine. So, um, that puts an, uh, an extraordinary amount of stress on a comp center when you have to change programs or you know i mean you just hear a lot of keyboard slamming and yelling and cursing and and such um so i can see those being changes in the last five years john what do you think the only piece of technology that i that i use that hasn't changed is um the cad um our cad interface everything else we use is different yeah i mean you know radio whatever i mean it's a different program so i'm still using like the same right you know radio so you can't really say that that's a huge difference but i mean uh, you know the technology's changed and and it hasn't always advanced either sometimes you get these state government uh, contracts who uh, will withhold money from agencies if they don't conform to uh, getting contracts with these certain uh, third party vendors for phones and things like this so like the state will withhold tax money from the people it's being taxed from and so you have to get, you know, these uh, these telephone companies or these other these other peripheral technologies. And sometimes they're not always advanced, but sometimes they're crappier. And it's sometimes it's like lowest bidding type situations where, you know, the state state budget is trying to save some money. So they get you this. And I, I joke at my agency, but it's like the day I walked in the door, I had better technology to save lives than I do today. I think it's starting to finally reverse. But it's like I went through some years there, 2018, 2019, 2020, where it's just like, everything was worse. Like I, there was a while where I could not talk to people on the phone without, without like a five second lag because we were interfacing digital and analog technology. So it's like just talking on the phone was a pain every single day. Now, like I said, now it's getting better, but, uh, you're, you're always facing new technology changes. Uh, and, uh, like Drew says, society is getting worse. The attitude towards the police is worse. The expectations are higher. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, it's the course that our, our culture is on and it's hard to point to something so vague and say, well, it's harder now to be a dispatcher than it's ever been. I I think so. But if you want to say what's the worst thing over five years ago, I'd say that you're doing more heavy lifting on your own because your agency doesn't have enough people there. So like you're, you're there working more, doing more, staying late, uh, picking up more of your own slack. One thing that's really hard about being a 911 dispatcher, I think compared to being a cop and drew, I wasn't one, but it's just like. So you you drive to a call, you have a certain amount of downtime while you're en route. You get there, you deal deal all the cop shit, okay, which is all really hard stuff that I don't know about. Then when you're done, you sit there in your car and you do your report or whatever. And then you take five minutes or whatever, you go in the gas station and you you do your business, and then you're 10-8 available for calls. I take a phone call, I'm dispatching it, the phone rings again. I don't get downtime between 
here and there. If I'm busy, I'm rocking and rolling the entire shift. I'm, I don't have downtime at all. Now, I do have times where I'm down. So I'm not trying to say that like, oh, woe is me. But I'm saying as a dispatcher, if you particularly if you are answering every call that comes in or most of them or a lot of them because you don't have coworkers, I mean, that's one aspect of it that's just going to be harder. Your workload's higher. Yep. Enough said that's, on that, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess. I, I, I also, I mean, I would add... Um, that's one of the major things that I've always said, you know, from a traumatic experience standpoint, you, uh, a cop or a firefighter has, you know, maybe a 30, 10, 20, 30% chance of dealing with trauma in their shift, but a dispatcher has a 100% chance every time they walk in the door, every time it's, it's going to be something because you're answering all of the calls, you're answering all the stuff that's going out. So, uh, you're not going to find anybody in a major department, even even at John's place, who you know, and he dis- dispatches pizza drivers sometimes. Uh, we do have time. we do have county pizza where I live. Uh, to Abby in the chat, saying, "Who are we ever going to get around to it?" Have you watched Failure to Stop? We have times where we do like, you know, we don't go to the bologna right away. Sometimes we do a mayonnaise part. Okay, like there's some dressing in the sandwich. Not only that, but I want to let you know that this show as it was conceived as of this time yesterday, it was nothing but this. And I woke up at four and I happened upon this article, man dies in suitcase. And I completely saved the show, Abby. So yes, if you're not enjoying yes. this, everything that follows is a treat. So, so you are welcome. Whatever you want, Drew, because I guess, I guess I'm failing to entertain Abby with my, with talking about the plight of 911 dispatchers. We obviously should not be doing that on this show. <laughs> I, I will give you all the credit in the world for that. That, that I you did came a lot of work. Concert. I haven't done a, a lot of work since but, April. But then, have you guys noticed that? Like, I haven't done shit. But then, yes, you have. And that, but then, like, uh, you know, like the dog. Uh, or the rabbit on the dog track. You, you you throw the suitcase one out of me, and I I got, went down the rabbit hole this morning, and I'm like, oh oh, this is a great case. You found a it's great case. It's damn perfect. good. It's weird. But we haven't spoken about it yet. No, we haven't we haven't talked <laughs> together at all. So folks, we're actually going to sign off, and Drew and I are going to have a private phone conversation <laughs> about about the suitcase. Discuss. The we're going to make jokes and everything. Uh, all right, so let's get into it, John. Unless Sam's you're going to play the St. No, Louis thing. I don't want to do anything else. We're not doing any more news. We're already at a full hour and we're at news. I know. Good for us. We didn't, you know, we were on, on Tuesday. We we're like, there, we're just going to play a repeat and look at us. Look and at what us, did Dad. I tell you, John? We're, you, you said if I relax and I do some drugs, that I, that I will be able yep. to just come up with it. If you, uh, th- that wasn't, um, that was not a, a man in distress that you dealt with at a gas station. I know this is very inside and people don't know what we're talking about. That is something we call a genie. And he has granted you two of your three wishes. So my third wish is that we get into the suitcase door. But anyway. let's do it. I, I Abby's a good Abby's a good egg. She yeah, was on the great. show last week. How can I really complain that much? We Abby, that. we now do the show. Do you want me to play the nine one one phone call? Yeah, please. Okay, I will. And I will what I'm going to do, Abby, if you don't mind, I will enter I will interrupt it with my own takes. All right. Sorry, Abby. I'm coming off really. I'm going to drop off for one second, but I'm still. All right. You. Okay. I, yes, you go. Okay. So uh, this was in 2020. So we're flashing backwards in time, just metaphorically. We're not doing it for real. I don't want anyone to get hurt. And I'm going to go ahead and play a very strange 911 call that came into uh, a Florida dispatch agency. 911. What is the location of your emergency? 
4748 France Court, apartment 3. 4748, what's the street name? France, F-R-A-N-T-Z. And the apartment number? 3. Is this a police or medical? My boyfriend is dead. Okay, send the line for the fire department. Do not hang up. My boyfriend is dead means it's both police and medical. Now, what's happening here is uh, we have a dispatcher who's answering the call. However, she doesn't dispatch for uh, medical emergencies, which is fire first response and, of course, paramedics, too. So we're going to do that thing that we've talked about a bunch on this show, which is the awkward handoff to another 911 dispatcher. Uh, So she's going to hand it off. There's going to be a little duplication of efforts here. But one thing I want you to notice as the call goes over, because she has said, uh, my boyfriend is dead. We know this is a multi-jurisdictional, or excuse me, multi-discipline call. You're going to have everybody going to this. You're going to have police, fire, and ambulance going to this. So the first dispatcher is going to stay in the line, which is, uh, you know, chef's kiss. Really good job to her. And uh, so they're going to transfer it over to the fire dispatcher. Here we go. Desk 32, no, please don't leave. 4748, France Lane, apartment 3. France Court. France Court? Yes. Okay, is this near Mackenzie Drive? I don't know where that is. Okay, fine, okay. It's Hillwood Park Apartments. Okay, 4748, France, correct? Correct. All right, correct. Now tell me exactly what happened there. Uh, my boyfriend and I were playing last night, and mm-hmm. I put him in his case when we were playing, and okay. like kind of uh, hide and seek kind of thing. So I fell asleep, and I woke up, and he was dead in the suitcase. So I don't know what happened. I don't know. Okay, so sometimes <laughs> we get calls like this is like this is actually more jarring than that. I've just ejected from an F thirty five. Yes, because we could take a call for someone who's unresponsive, not breathing. But the whole like the whole and we've I've said this so many times on the show. You should know this by now. This is episode forty one. People, people call and they want to tell a story. She's got this whole story about how we were playing hide and seek as adults. These people were born in the seventies, folks. And uh, this guy got to do a suitcase and died. So he's just like, he kind of goes checklist too. He's like, we're going to have everyone responding to this. This person is dead or maybe dead. But uh, to avoid liability in my case, I'm just going to hope that maybe this person is not beyond CPR. I mean, how could they be? They like, were locked in a suitcase. It wasn't like the like for like 12 hours or anything, was it? Uh, maybe it was. Oh, what happened? Right, okay, what's your apartment number? Three. Apartment three? Yes, like he has like blood coming out of his mouth, and I don't know if like he had like an aneurysm or nothing. Right, okay, all right, okay. Listen, we're getting help out there too. All right, okay. Blood coming from the mouth, and that he's completely cyanotic and apneic, not breathing. These are the telltale death signs. He's fully dead. The dispatcher could probably tell this, but knowing that this is going to be a sticky, awful case, and just because it's the right thing to do, he's going to give CPR instructions. I want you to listen carefully to this. Just in case she's exaggerating. Well, there's that. Yeah, in case she's exaggerating, but also you have a duty to care, right? So you're going to do that anyway. But like, I want you to listen to this because this is super frustrating. You're going to hear what it's like to give life-saving instructions to a person who's not willing to do it. Now, 
There's blood coming out of his mouth. You're not going to do mouth to mouth. And most CPR instructions don't include mouth to mouth anymore anyway. But you could tell she's not into it. You could tell that she's faking it. She's not really doing the compression. She's counting out loud. She's probably pacing about the apartment. We'll find out more about what's really going on later. But this is super frustrating when you're trying to give life-saving instructions to a person and you can tell when they're doing it versus not doing it. Why? Because CPR is hard. It's also really hard to explain. So you could tell that they're kind of going through the motions here. Okay. I, I, okay. Four, yeah, man, listen, we're on our way out there. You're at 407-716-8684. Okay, is he hanging from somewhere or what, ma'am? No, I pulled him out of the suitcase. I tried giving him CPR. Okay, so he's, uh, he was in a uh, suitcase? Yes. In his defense, John, it could have been a garment bag. I fell asleep. Okay, how old is the, how old is the boyfriend, ma'am? 42-year-old man. All right. Okay, we're, we're, sending, we're sending help out there. Sheriff's not standing away out there? Yes, I'm sorry? Yeah, okay. All right, listen to me. Okay, that, um, I just need, I just need I to confirm this one. No, right. I understand. I just need to confirm this. Is he, is he awake at all? Is he conscious at all? No. He's purple. Is he, right. Is he breathing? No. All right. I need you to get, I need you to get him on the floor, flat on his back for I me, did. okay? I did. I did. I tried giving him CPR. All right. I tried giving him CPR. Yeah, okay. Well, well, we're, home, we're, nothing happened. He's purple. Right. Okay, listen to me. There's a defibrillator. I need you to get it for me, okay? What is it? You have an AED, have an AED available? No. All right. Are you right by him now? I'm sorry. You are you right by him now? Yes. Okay. Okay. Lay him flat on his. Okay, ma'am. Ma'am, ma ma listen. Uh, so listen. Is he cold and stiff? Yes. Okay. Well, he's okay. not necessarily cold, but he's stiff. And he's right. Purple. Okay. All right. His so room temperature. Listen, listen to me. I want you to lay him flat on his back for me on I the did. floor. I did. Removing the pillows. Okay. Yes, I did. All right. Okay. With he's stiff and purple. Right. Okay. Listen. Okay, man. That's fine. We're, we're still going to do co compressions on him. Okay. All right. Place the heel of your hand on his breastbone, right in the center of the chest, right between the nipples. Yes. Put your other hand on top of that hand. Betty, I'm telling you. Just by okay. looking at him, you can tell. Okay. Ah! Please. Okay. He just gurgled. Okay. Okay. Gross. Drew, what what are some of the problems with uh, him just taking her at her word that uh, he's completely and totally dead? Like as an as an admin, would you, if you were doing a quality check on this, would you have said good job, uh, Steve, for continuing to go CPR on this, or would you have let him off the hook if he's just said like, all right, lady, you you Samsonited your boyfriend? Like I get it. Uh, this is this is in the territory of. Uh... Yeah, I got to run through this checklist. I know you said that you just ejected from an F-35. Yeah. But how far was the fall? Like, I've got to know how far you fell. Um, I, yeah, I like, no, here's the problem. Because if they get there and, they, and um, the ambulance crew, it, it, like I mentioned a minute ago, I mean, she could be exaggerating. She could be the murderer, as we, you know, spoiler alert. Spoiler um, and he could be gurgling because he's still alive. So, oh, man, tough call. He's, he's cyanotic. He's got blood coming out of his head holes. He's Again, dead. I, I know. I know that. Have I you know ever seen a you dead know person? what that means. I. I <laughs> but they can't see that. They. They've got to. I think they have to do their due diligence. They've got to do it. They got to do it. Until I, I agree with you. Drew. I, and these are just pre-arrival instructions anyway. I mean, you can't really fail on them. But um, I, I don't know. Um, it, it it does seem like a complete waste of time. You, speaking of waste of time, you know what I think I want to do, John? I I, I want to finish out the call, 
I want to talk a little bit about the case, but then I want to do the full case next week. Okay, no, that's that's good because uh, it's it's, it's two parts. Right, and it gives right. It gives like us law and order. Week. Plus, we're already over an hour. So, <laughs> plus, if we do it next week, we don't have to think. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying, buddy. Nice. I'm doing this for you. Um, and then uh, something else that there's a reason, uh, an excuse for us not thinking is we might be doing a game show again soon, folks. So, cut this into a real future, John. We're doing a game show. More game shows. All right, back to the call. Listen to me. All right, I want to play. I want you to place the heel of your hand, uh-huh. okay, right between right between his chest, right between his breast bones. Yes. Put your other hand, put your other hand on top of that hand. Yes, we want we want to pump his chest to me hard and fast, going to twice per second. I'm doing it again. Okay, no, no, just keep on pumping. That's all you need to do for me. Keep on pumping his chest for me. That's, I don't need you to stop and talk okay. or anything. I just want okay. you to count out loud for me, okay? Don't talk. Pump. One, two, three. Four, five, whether you're six, a mother or seven, whether you're a eight, brother, you're staying nine, alive. 10, 11, Faster. 12, harder. 13, 14, 15. This should be this harder is, for you. This is okay, ma'am, just keep on pumping his chest. That's all you need to do for me, okay? Yes. Come on, please. Hurry up. Okay, ma'am, ma'am, they're driving here as fast as they can. Okay, don't stop to say hurry up. Just keep on pumping and counting. <laughs> don't stop to say hurry up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, don't stop to say, don't, do don't stop to say. Right, just, just continue pumping shit. Count on a second count with you. One, two, three, his lazy CPR. 29, 30, 31, 32. Please hurry. Okay, man, they're getting there as fast as they can, okay? He's deaf and he's purple. Okay, keep pumping his chest for me, ma'am. I'm still doing it, okay? Is there a skip ahead point on the CPR? Right, okay, or is there no, the I played the whole call because I didn't know that we were going to have to as they can along with the sheriff's office also, okay? Please. We could just, uh, I'll just truncate it because Drew like wants to go to bed, which I understand. So, so at one point, just to end the call, uh, somebody comes in the door. It's a firefighter. It's the first person on scene. And uh, she goes, look at this dead guy in the suitcase. And you can hear, you can hear the the EMT firefighter saying, "Wow, he's been down way too long for us to do anything." Which I'm not saying anything about the dispatcher, but the dispatcher normally, when uh, the first responder gets there, the first thing we do is we hang up. But this dispatcher is so he knows that something's wrong with this call of a guy dying inside a suitcase. He knows this is the one he's going to tell his grandchildren, the weird one. That both he and the sheriff's office dispatcher both stay in the line just to hear what the hell is going on there. So we'll skip past that. I just thought it was funny that the dispatchers clearly, you know, don't hang up when they're supposed to because they want to. They want her to just like be arrested by the firefighter like immediately. <laughs> this uh, th- that that's a great tease because I want to finish the nine one one call next week. I want to go into the body cam so we can see what her reactions are. Right? Oh, they're it's- weird. Don't they're, check on your own. Don't they're do. They're very weird. Don't do your own uh, 
case study. Yeah, please don't. Please don't. We shouldn't have no. told you where it is. No. And and we are going to uh, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into the uh, because what John did was he stirred the creative uh, uh, interview and interrogation juices. For those of you who don't know, I taught interviews and interrogations to uh, a forty-hour course, a one-week course, for about ten years to a group of you know young detectives or various supervisors or um you know deputies that have been on the road for a little bit or or police officers or whatever i i'm i'm a big fan of interviews and interrogations so i went down the rabbit hole of watching this entire interrogation today uh, i've got a little bit that i'll show you as a as a teaser um but here let's let me tease just me this is going to tease you a little bit too tease. and i hate to but this is where we're talking about here. And Deadleg was asking a bunch of questions about the Orlando area earlier. We got four points on a map here. This is uh, near the Winter Park area of, it's just outside of Winter Park, uh, in uh, outside of Orlando, just east of Orlando. And here's place number one. This is where she's calling from, okay? Now, here's See her right there weird. on the map, yeah. Yeah, okay, here's, yes, there she is. And here's something <laughs> weird about this. Just about two miles down the road, this is why I called this the suit Casey case. Watch this. Just about two miles south of here down the road, look what happens, John. I, I, this is a surprise to you. Maybe, maybe not. But as it zooms in here, you're going to see this is the Amscot where Casey Anthony's car was recovered. Oh, my gosh. They're That's linked. Casey Anthony put this guy in a suitcase. And then get then, Eric Tanzi in here. He's the expert on that case. <laughs> Eric, then if you go, yard. stop paying attention to your children. This is Casey Anthony, part two. Then if you go just a little bit, maybe two miles to the whatever that is west, you'll find Darcy Drive. That's where, um, you know, not to bring up old wounds, but we're very close friends still. That's where my first wife grew up. That's where my wife, she grew up on Darcy Drive right there. And if you go a little bit north uh, from there, like maybe a mile, mile and a half, you'll see the last yellow pin, which is St. Richard's Episcopal Church. That's where I was married on December 1st of uh, 1990. Uh, and, you know, that, that Oh, you got married when I was in kindergarten. That's neat. <laughs> Thank you. That marriage has since been terminated because I found the love of my life. Well, that's good. So uh, we, uh, so uh, there it is. That's the uh, Dr Dramuda Square. We'll call it. Drew, yeah. Of, uh, well, Druda. Okay. So here's here's part of the interrogation, and I I just want to point out a couple things. I'm just going to let it play. It's like three minutes, maybe. Really? No, that's when we were like painting. So then it's like, okay, well, I we can't. I don't want to paint anymore. Let's just uh, come on. Okay, you want to play hide and seek? What he does is, okay, tag, you're it. Well, she's like, okay, we know. Okay, take off. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. And then you went upstairs, and then he didn't come up, and you came down. And the suitcase was there originally because you guys were planning to do donations, and so it was already suitcase. there. Um, have you guys ever played the, you said you played hide and seek like probably three times in your relationship? Mm -hmm. When you have played, have you ever zipped him up in a suitcase prior? No. Okay. So it was just kind of like that prop was there, and it was there, yes. and it was in play because... Why do you say it like that, though? I would never do that. You would never zip them up in a suitcase? It, well, I mean... I mean, we were playing. No, I know, but, time, just, but... 
I'm saying, I'm, well, I'm talking about hide and seek, which is a game, so. The suitcase originally is in our closet, buried all the way to the back. If you, I don't, I know the CSI people saw our closet. Our closet needs to be cleaned out really bad. My <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm sorry, Mama. I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to make you cry, but tonight we're cleaning out your closet. Uh, look. This is something very classic with people who are trying to be deceptive. All she's trying to do is buy time. You ask her a direct question like, why did you say it like that? And she's telling you how messy her closet is. She's, okay. She has so much predilection for anything that's totally irrelevant all the time. Yeah. And she, yes, you're right. And she uh, is so matter of fact about all of this. And she says some very telling things that I want to point out when we do the next uh, breakdown next week. In, in, Next you know, week we, on the comm center. With on the comm center. We're going to finish the 911 call. We're going to watch the body cam. We're going to break down a little bit of the of the, uh, of the the interrogation. But there are some mistakes that the interrogators made, in my opinion. Hindsight's always 20-20. I'm not going to pick them apart. 50, uh, but, 50, yeah. but there are a couple things that I, – I'll, I'll, let me play the rest here. Son's clothes need to be cleaned out really bad because they don't fit him anymore, and I'm tired of looking at them. So he took it. This is one of them. Uh, if you'll notice, and in, in if you're listening, you can't see it, but um, the detective that's just to her left is looking down at his cell phone. Now, things happen in an interrogation room. Like, there are times when defense attorneys are talking to, you know, homicide supervisors, and homicide supervisors really need to the, talk to the detective in there and tell them, hey, you know, the attorneys here stop talking to them, or, you know, or, hey, we just found another body, or, you know, there are things that really happen uh, like that. But, Overall, um, if you're in a homicide interview, if you're in an interview where another person died, it is in your best interest to stay focused on what that person is saying, every word. And this is where technology gets, gets in the way because oftentimes we rely on what the, what the camera recorded or what the recorder recorded. So, Devil's advocate, though he knows he has. Uh, he, it's like taking a break, listening to her babble on about this shit. He can, he knows he could check out for thirty seconds, and he's not going to miss anything. Right? You know her. who else knows that though? The lady. She does, John. Yeah. She knows he's checked out. She knows he just she, all she has to do is talk forever and ever and distract him, and he's going to get bored and he's going to go to his phone. She. It, it's going to be a long interview if you're not staring a hole through her soul. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I, I think, you know, like from a, uh, from, you know, it's 2020, like a lot of agencies have gone to just wearing a polo with the badge on it. And I, I was always a fan of the shirt and tie because you're a homicide detective. This means something. And, you know, a lot of guys, like I was never in homicide. Um, and it's kind of tough to wear that kind of stuff at a scene. I get that. But when you're doing an interview like this, you're, you're, you're supposed to be imposing a little bit. You're supposed to be in their face. You're supposed to, make them worry or, or confuse them with your with your good tailoring and your quaffness. Uh so hold on a second. Let's uh let's finish this up. Upon herself, including that suitcase, to take it downstairs so we can get all of our clothes, our donations and everything, and just leave the whole thing by the clothing and shoe thing at my son's school. No, we're just I'm just asking out of the in the past, like have have you ever zipped him up in anything, jokingly or not? But obviously, no. I understand. You know, you're claiming that Sunday it was a joking matter. You were laughing, yes. he was laughing. 
But what I'm just asking is in the past, like is it something Absolutely that you guys not. normally do? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, um, I, her lack of emotion is kind of, you know, makes my skin crawl a little bit, but some, yeah. sometimes people are like this, but this, the, the absolutely not the over and over and over. That's, I, I always used to teach, tell me your answer. Don't sell me your answer. I like, know any, anyone that starts with honestly, yep. you know, that when it comes to next, modifier. is a lie. Yeah, you don't, yeah. yeah right. honestly, or I'm going to be completely honest with you. Can I be completely honest with you? Well, what the fuck have you been up to this point? Yeah, so we before were actually it was this lies. last game running out of places to hide because we have a townhome where it's upstairs or downstairs. So <laughs> it makes complete sense then. Um, okay, so do you remember making any videos or maybe having any cover, anything, any photos, videos that you remember doing on your phone on Sunday? She already got it, huh? No. <coughs> no. Yep. Um, I think I took a picture of a dog. Okay. Oh, God. So your phone is password protected. You have the password. He has the facial recognition. So it's not like someone else. This is why your video is going to be so important next week, John. Yes, yes. No, I have both. Locking her into that story. And the password. Yes. Yeah, but he only has the face, correct? No. To be able to get onto your phone, you told me that he looks at the phone. Oh, I misunderstood. I thought you were asking if I did. Yes, it's me. Okay. Does he have access to your phone? Because you said it's yeah. your phone. Okay, how does he have access? Sarah, can I buy your phone? Yeah, it's right there on the kitchen counter. Okay, well, but how does he get it. into it? Because it's password protected. He'll, he'll come and get it to me, and I'll just do the face thing. Where sometimes, too, like, he's, <coughs> look, he'll joke with me and say, okay, I need to borrow your phone. And he'll hold up while I'm cooking or doing something, do the facial recognition. Okay, so he doesn't know the password, and he doesn't have the facial recognition. No. But he is the only other person that would use your phone, I'm yes. assuming, other Well, than. Lucas. Right. But Lucas wasn't there Sunday. Right. Um... So, to your recollection. Oh, what happened? I didn't touch it. No, I, I'm sure you didn't. In the past, like, so. Um, okay, so do you remember making any videos of a dog? Okay. But your phone is password protected. You have the password. Mm -hmm. He has the facial recognition. So it's not like someone else could be on your phone. No, I Whatever's have on there, you did it. But you have the face and the password. Yes. Yeah, but he only has the face, correct? No. To be able to get onto your phone, you told me that he looks at the phone. Oh, I misunderstood. I thought you were asking if I did. Yes, it's me. Okay. Does he have access to your phone? Because you said it's yeah. your phone. Okay, how does he have access? Sarah, can I buy your phone? Yeah, it's right there on the If this phone. sounds familiar, okay, because I screwed it up. It's password protected. It's okay. He'll come and get it to me, and I'll just do the face thing. Where sometimes, too, like, he's, <coughs> look, He'll joke with me and say, okay, I need to borrow your phone. And he'll hold up while I'm cooking or doing something, do the facial recognition. Okay, so he doesn't know the password, and he doesn't have the facial recognition. No, but he is the only other person that would use your phone, I'm yes. assuming. Other well, Lucas. Right. But Lucas wasn't Lucas there, is her nine-year-old son. Right. Um, so, to your recollection. Oh, don't tell me it cuts off there. Damn it. Well, okay. more for uh, next week. Thank you, Streamyard cuts it off. Oh, does oh does it? At, sometimes with some of the videos, it just cuts off the last like twenty or thirty seconds of them. The sometimes it's been a problem yeah. that we've been running into. Damn okay, um, that's fine because something dramatic happens, and that's a great tease for next week. Something terrible is going to happen, or wonderful, but either way, it's very dramatic. But either way, it's definitely one of the other. Drew, did, uh, we, one, did we? I hate to interrupt you because like. Oh, 
Oh, holy moly. Uh, did we get any phone calls? Because I saw the cupcakes and oh, cameos. Yes. Who's never called in. She said, I called in, but because you guys wouldn't shut up about labor problems that she had to hang up. That's basically what happened. Hey, Damn cakes. It. Cupcakes, call back. <laughs> hey. I'm on here. <laughs> Can, I was just going to say this every... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just saying hello. How are you? Thank you for calling. Good. How are you all? Great. I was going to see if everybody could give my husband a big congratulations on getting a job with an agency that actually gives a shit about their employees. Because yeah. that's hard to find these days. Good job. <laughs> I yes. think that's amazing. And I, I, let me tell you, and I'm going to be as earnest as I can be. Um, I was on the uh, Street Cop podcast. I don't know if you heard that. I'm not trying to brag to you. I'm telling the rest of the – I'm trying to brag to everybody else. Uh, and <laughs> and what it basically uh, boils down to or boiled down to is, um, you know, Dennis Benino and I got into a discussion about uh, having the stones to realize when it's time to cut bait and move on. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say things like, oh, my God, my pension and oh, my God, this and oh my. But what is your happiness worth? And I'm telling you right now, that is exactly why I retired when I retired. I I was luckily in a financial position to do so. And I had endured so much shit. One and two, um, I I I, I was guilty. I was in that I was in that time warp of like, I just got to do my time. I just got to do my time. But I made it. I made it through. But you don't want to. You should never want to leave a career saying, "Yep, I did my time. I made it." Um, I, I know that exactly. I made a difference in what I did. But but take a t- take a page out of Cupcakes' husband, who says, "You know what? <laughs> if you're not going to treat me right here, I'm going to go find somebody that's going to treat me right." And uh, I exactly. know I know my value and I know my worth and I know what my safety and my mental health is all about. And I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna and take that is my. Hundred There's more than that one. is a hundred percent between you know them just wanting to dump more and more and more and more on their employees. It was you know all about what it shouldn't have been about. They they clearly just. I mean, when you expect your officers to come off of a night shift and then be on call for 24 hours after a night shift, right? Like. It's unrealistic. It's dangerous. It you can tell that they don't give a shit, and that's just you know that that's just the tip of the iceberg. But you you can really tell what agencies do and do not care about their officers. Yep, we're, we're gonna uh, soon enough. Uh, Dennis Benino is gonna come on to uh, the the Friday show. Then soon after that, we're going to have a guy named Tom Rizzo, Captain Tom Rizzo, who's going to come on. He does uh, this presentation called Ivory Tower. Uh, it, it's essentially about uh-huh. that. He, he, is a, he is a command staff member who understands that we are dealing in human capital. We are dealing with people. And if you don't yep. understand and treat people like human beings and adults, you are never, ever going to succeed in this profession. And, and I, I, no. again, you know, like this is not a therapy session for me, but let's rewind to the first 15 <laughs> minutes of this, uh, of this show where I talked about a command staff member who just, she was, she was just a horrible, she used to be a great person. I used to idolize this person and she just turned into a horror, just a horrible human being. Uh, and, and 
you know, just caddy, you know, just, just cafeteria type behavior, uh, and running by ego. And it's a shame because these people are in charge of millions of people of the safety of millions of people at a time. And they don't, they don't treat it with the reverence. They, they treat it with their ego, whatever serves their ego the best. So Oh, thank you. It's like they either, they don't know, or they just don't care about the fact that not only are they putting their officers at risk, but they're also putting the public at risk. Because if you have somebody that is that dead ass tired driving a car 80 miles an hour trying to get to a call or, you know, possibly having to point a gun at somebody, it's not going to be good for anybody. So now he won't have to deal with that stuff. (laughs) Right. And and I'd venture to say too, like if he came off of his shift and he's on call for 24 hours, stuff that he probably doesn't talk about, but he's thinking in the back of his mind, he's waiting for his cell phone to ring. It's you're not relaxed. Yeah, and you're not decompressing, no. and you're short with your family. This leads to arguments, or mm-hmm. or isolation, mm-hmm. or alcohol use, or Escapism. adultery, or gambling. And next thing you know, you're in the middle of a divorce, and you know you're on national TV because you're uh, because you, you know you pulled a train with half the department, and uh, yeah. maybe I'm taking it a little <laughs> too far. But or you know, a car that gets hit by a train because you're not making good decisions. <laughs> Well, Cupcakes, thank you very much for supporting us. Thanks for calling, and congratulations to you and your husband. Sounds like you got your husband back because he'll probably be a lot uh, happier. So thank you again for calling. John, uh, do we have any voicemails by chance? We have two, and I'm totally prepared this week, unlike weeks previously. So you have Liz's? I do. Liz is up first. Because uh, Sorry, for, we for, I didn't get you last week, Liz. Here we go. Hopefully it works. Should be going. <laughs> oh, it's not going. Hold on one second. I'll fix it. Flapjack me, Drew. Okay. Uh, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United <laughs> States of America. That's what you got? Uh, yeah. Uh, listen, um, I, I can't. What kind of concert only costs 45 cents? What kind of concert only costs 45 cents? That's what that's what Liz is saying. She got a dad joke for us. Here we go. Okay. Hi, Drew and John. This is Liz from Lexington, Kentucky. Um, pretty sure you both know who I am. Anyways, yeah. I have a dad joke for you. What kind of concert only costs 45 cents? A 50 mm. cent concert featuring Nickelback. I hope you guys have a great night and I enjoy listening. Take care. Bye. A Never made it as a blind man. A nickelback is a is an extra defensive back that you would have in a obvious passing situation. Yep, usually right. covered by the mic or the will. Yes. Uh, speaking of uh, something else, here here's our next voicemail. I believe it's probably Micah. Knowing uh, how we get voicemails around here. Hopefully, hey, Wolfpack, it's Micah. Not doing a perimeter check tonight. Just finally headed home uh, from a very, very long week. Not a ton of hours, but just stupid shit. I'm sure you've had that kind of week. So I did the math. I made it seven years, nine months, seven days, ten hours, and 48 minutes without getting battered at work. (laughs) But tonight, it finally happened. Oh, no. So, like I said, I worked at like 7,000-odd hours, almost eight in the first three years. 
and just always been able to stay out of the way and just got a little impatient, a little complacent. And I got a little knock on the chin from a foot today, but I'm okay. Everything's good. Nothing needed to be checked on or anything. Just got a little love tap. My beard cushioned my face all as well. Um, The inmate's foot was treated because it was sore. Uh, but don't worry, he's got an ice pack, and sadly he'll survive to be a piece of shit another day. So looking forward to get to uh, Com Center. Guns up, giddy up. We'll see you then. So he's going to have to change. John, this is Liz from Lexington, Liz. Kentucky. Oh, you're going to play her twice because you missed. It. Got you last week, Liz. <laughs> so he's going to have to change the sign. Uh, you know batter free yeah. for seven years, seven days. I have no uh, doubt that he's told the truth about the inmate having to get their foot looked at. They probably had to take him to a fucking clinic. Oh, my, my foot hurts from kicking from right. Kicking uh, sorry uh, to the face. Somebody, yeah, but somebody may have also twisted him in the dog pile. Who knows? And, um, you know, this job has a way of humbling you. And next thing you know, it's seven years later and you're getting foot chinned. So uh, there you go. All right, well, Drew, we uh, we had obviously we had close to three shows worth of material, much to the chagrin of of Abby Ellsworth, who's watching. She was texting <laughs> me saying, "Are you going to do the show?" Damn it, Abby! I don't or text what? you during your pre-recorded show. Listen to on being a police officer because over there she's pre-recorded, so she can just get around to the subject whenever she wants to. Over here at Failure to Stop, we have over 400 shows per week. If you head up even the Patriot stuff tomorrow, it's the big case breakdown on Friday with Drew and Eric. It's your favorite show. It's the show that started it all. Then on Sunday, Eric's going to have a weird thing with conservative it where they talk about cryptids or some kind of weird stuff on Night Shift, top secret information. And then on Monday is Uncuffed with J. Darrell White where he and Eric break down uh, the funny news for the police. Tuesday, uh, Kendra Jarama is going to have uh, a night of uh, spooky stories about uh, a true crime case that inspired the the movie The Strangers. So make sure that you watch that before Tuesday. Otherwise, you won't know what the hell's going on. Watch the movie The Strangers. Then on Wednesday, all the all the information that you need to not be an asshole. Dead Leg and Eric break down all the news. And then Thursday, the best show of the week, will be back in one week's time with the conclusion to this That's exciting serial. case that you should not look into it all on your own. Let do us not. do that. That's what you not- pay us for. Cobb Center, 100 episodes, 100 seasons. Cobb Center, 8 for 8. Cobb number one, leave us a voicemail for next week. I'm almost out of energy. Thanks for watching the show. Drew, say some stuff before we go. Just as a judge would do to a jury, I'm going to instruct you, do not look into the suitcase case. Don't look into it. Don't open the case. And by the way, just for you, Micah, this is why I called it the suitcase case. All right, that's going to be it. John, stick around. Uh, everybody loves everybody, and uh, thank you, Deadlike, for being Deadlike. Thanks, Deadlike.